You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. There we go. Now we'll turn the mic back on. All right. Apologize for that. Uh, so there are many guys that were up here yesterday. Thank you so much for uh, coming up and helping. That was a blessing. And uh, we're able to get things done because of uh, people being willing to, to, to work and help and volunteer and give. And so that's a blessing. All right. Keep your Bibles out here uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18. And here in this passage of Scripture... We find that God's people, they had, they had, uh, uh, had drifted away from the Lord. You know, when I read the Bible, I try not to just look at history. I try to read it and look at it and see what the application is for me. You know, as I, as I read errors that God's people have done in the past, I can see those same errors in my own life. I can see those errors that a nation, a church, a, a ministry, an individual, things that somebody else did, I can look at it and say, you know what, I see that I have done that very same thing. And here as God's people had wandered, they had drifted away, uh, they, had, uh, they had found themselves under great judgment. And in this judgment, there was a drought that was brought. You know, God uses... He uses nature over and over again in the Bible as a way of getting God's people's attention. He, he uses nature. He uses uh, animals. He uses people. God uses everything to get our attention. And here he used a drought, a three-year drought uh, that was, was going on. And uh, soon we're going to find this judgment coming to an end. And uh, Elijah uh, is going to uh, proclaim that the, the uh, rain is going to start again. But before that event takes place, uh, God is still trying to get his people's attention. Sometimes when we are doing wrong, we still don't get it when God's trying to correct us. Sometimes we don't really put two and two together. We don't grab a hold of uh, what he has done but, uh, or is doing, but he has a way of getting our attention so we know it. Uh, and that's a process that's about to take place here. But it's always a blessing to know that God's chastening hand always comes to an end. You know, when God chastens us, when he corrects us, when he judges us, uh, there, is, there is an end to that. It doesn't just carry on over and over again. I remember when the kids were small and they would do something wrong. Uh, we had rules in our family and within those family rules, there were consequences that were, uh, that were established. And it wasn't just what you felt like this day or the next day, it was written down. You do this, this is gonna be the consequence. And spankings were tied to many of them. Uh, and so uh, anyway, so we would, uh, our children, they would, they would uh, do wrong every once in a while. We have three perfect kids. They never did anything. Uh, no, that's not true. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, we would, we would have, when they would do something wrong, there was a process that we would go through. And we'd send them to their room and, 
uh, think about it or to our room, and they would stop and think about what they were doing. We'd give them a little bit of time, and then we would go in, and uh, that we'd have them uh, standing there little, and we'd sit down on a, uh, the, the bed or wh- whatever was there, and uh, you're looking right in their eyes, and I'd, and I'd have them tell me uh, what they did wrong. And then it was, okay, uh, with this doing wrong, uh, we, would, we would share Scripture with them and letting them know that it was violating Scripture. It was teaching them, uh, and we would ask them, do you know that what you did was wrong? And they would, they would uh, respond to that. And then uh, we would ask them, uh, okay, so what do we need to do to fix this? Now, if their heart wasn't broken up to this point, by the time you get to this spot, uh, their heart was usually pretty broken, and they were, uh, they knew what, what needed to happen, and they would tell me that they would need a spanking. And so then I would tell them how many spankings they were going to get, 10, 20, or 30. No, just kidding. Uh, it was one, two, or three swats, and I'd tell them how many they're going to get, and I'd tell them, you can cry, but you cannot scream. You cannot fight me. And so I would be sitting there, and I'd grab their little arms, and I'd put them between my legs, and I'd lean them over my leg, and then I would give them their swats. And once it was done, then we would pray together, uh, tell them that we loved them, and then we would have a tickle fight or something like that. And by the time we left that, that room, the, the discipline had been dealt with, and now it's done. You know, I'm so thankful that God is that way as well. God, God is a God who addresses issues, but he, he, he not only your sins and iniquities do I not remember, he says, he, said, he, he, he does not hold them over our heads. Uh, if he chastens us for something, it's done and it's over with. And, and I'm thankful that that is the case. Now here, uh, God's people, they are... They're in this drought, and it's about to be over, but uh, God is still trying to get his people's attention. He's trying to refocus them and helping them see what is going on, uh, sort of like a, uh, a teenager. Have you, uh, do you remember being a teenager? And uh, I remember as a teenager, I could know that I was wrong, but I was justified in my own mind that I was still going to fight against what was right. Uh, and, and it was, I just wasn't willing to give up my position, even though I knew my position was wrong. Uh, and, you know, sometimes as God's people, we do the same thing with God. We, we know what, what we have done or are doing is not acceptable in his sight, yet we still don't want to accept uh, that we need to make some changes here. And God's people here in this passage, they knew that they were wrong. They had come to a place where they had embraced idolatry. They had come to a place where idol worship was not only something that they were okay with, idol worship was something that they were even being engaged in. And so God's people, they, they knew that that was a capital punishment event, yet they were unwilling to get things right. And so Elijah, the prophet, he comes on the scene after a three-year sabbatical, and now he comes back to call the people of God out on this uh, sinfulness. So let's look again, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36. 
The Bible says, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back Again, So here we have a 63-word prayer by Elijah the prophet. And in this prayer, he was not calling down judgment on the, the heathen. He wasn't calling down judgment on the, the false prophets. He, this prayer and this miracle that's about to take place is all getting ready to be done, all to show God's people that God is God. You know, sometimes we, we know God is God, but do we always recognize him as God in our life? We know academically that he is God, but are we allowing him the position of God in our life? Sometimes we're the ones calling all the shots. Sometimes we're the ones making the decisions. And God's ways and his will are not even really in the equation. It's what do I want? And so here, this prayer, we see the 63-word prayer. We see that fire falls. We see that the false worshipers are exposed. We see that the faith of the believers is restored. And then we see fervency in faith. Uh, that is revealed. And so it's a blessing that God was still working in the hearts of the people. Look again, verse 37. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. You know, that little phrase there at the end is what I want to speak to you on this morning. He said that thou hast turned their heart back again. And I want to preach to you on the, the subject, a turned heart. A turned heart. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for the power that's there. And I pray that you would help me to be able to convey the truths uh, and help us to be encouraged and strengthened in our faith. And just bless each one that's here this morning. Lord, each person took the time, the energy, and the effort uh, to be here. And so I pray that it would be profitable in each and every one of our lives. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. A turned heart. God was not only working a miracle uh, to, uh, to try to show that he was God. He was, he was working the miracle. The greatest miracle wasn't that, uh, that he could call down fire from heaven and that, that that altar would be consumed and that that 12 barrels of water would have been lapped up. That wasn't the biggest part of that miracle. The biggest part of the miracle was that God was working in the hearts of his people. He was caring about their heart. He was wanting to turn their heart back. And Elijah here, as he was uh, instrumental in communicating this, uh, he was telling us uh, that God was the Lord. He was the one that was turning their heart uh, back. Uh, and that's what we want to see in our lives, isn't it? Uh, if I get to be a little bit apathetic in my faith, if I get to get uh, a little bit 
uh, uh, just complacent in my faith. Uh, I need to make sure that my focus is on the Lord and that He is God in my life. And that is not going to happen because I make all the right decisions. Uh, God is God, and He is the one that is working in the hearts of His people. And it's Him that turns the heart. Uh, as the rivers of water, uh, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, He turneth it, the Bible says, whithersoever he will. And we see that God has uh, been a God historically uh, who has worked and changed people's hearts. He changed the hearts of these people that had become complacent and acceptant of, uh, of the idolatry to where now all of a sudden they are stepping right in, in, an, in a, just an immediate decision. We see how they jump right in with Elijah and they start doing and acting out their faith uh, without any inhibitions here. Uh, God was working the miracles that would bring glory to himself. But he was trying primarily to restore the faith and the fervency of his people. Look at verse number 38 uh, here. He said, uh, And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal and let none of them escape. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. What do we find? We find, first of all, this morning, God's working brings change. God's working brings change. You know, as God's working in a heart, he expects change. He expects change. He doesn't expect us to just uh, recognize that he is God. He expects us to change in accordance to that truth. We are to allow him uh, not to just be God as an academic assessment, uh, that we are going to allow him as God to be the one that is going to direct us and uh, allow us to follow uh, his, his word. Uh, so God's working, it brings change. Uh, and that's what he was doing. Uh, his working, he he turned their heart back again. It was the result of a turned heart. And you see here that uh, these people who knew who God was, somehow they had become content with false worship. Somehow they had become content uh, with that idolatry and that false worship. It was never allowed in Hebrew culture. It was never acceptable. It was only acceptable as they got away from their faith. But when they got away from their faith, they started embracing the things of the world that were around them. And their faith weakened as they started to embrace idolatry. And here, uh, God's showing up on this scene. And I, I, I want to see this. When I get to heaven, uh, I sort of envision that God is going to replay all the events, these wonderful miracles. And it's in 1 Kerry 1.1. You won't see it in the Bible. But uh, in my mind, I, I think the Lord's going to uh, put us and we're going to have some type of an omni uh, screen, a theater, and all of a sudden everything is just going to be uh, completely re-shown. I would love to have been there and watched as Elijah, during a time of drought, uh, says, grab some barrels of water and fill them up and dump them on top of this altar and no, go do it again and then go do it a third time. Uh, you got to remember, three years with no rain 
And it was, it was in a time where that water was as precious as it could have been. And yet, Elijah, he was calling out for that, that valuable resource to be, to be wasted. And then to show the mighty hand of God and uh, to, to call that, uh, that uh, prayer out. And God answer that 63-word prayer and fire fall from heaven. And not just consume the sacrifice, but to consume the altar and the stones and the water that was lapped up. Uh, just amazing to see what God can do. But God was doing all of that. And the miracle resulted in God's people seeing their need for change change. You know, when God works in our life, he wants to see change. He wants to see change. He doesn't want us to be status quo. He doesn't want us just to exist in our faith. And so that uh, uh, th these people, uh, they, they ended up seeing uh, what uh, God had, had done, and it the miracle brought them to a place where they had to, to choose sides. You know, we have to choose sides. The world we live in is evil. The world we live in is evil. I was talking with somebody this week, and a professional individual, and as we were talking, uh, he was talking about the evil that was in all these other industries, and I, I called out the evil that was in his industry and he stopped and he looked at me and he, he had to agree. You know, we live in a wicked world. We live in a world that is, that is evil. Yet, we are not to allow the evilness of this world to cause us to embrace or to accept that which is wrong. We, we are not to, just because we live in a wicked culture does not mean that we should embrace that wickedness. Uh, they lived in a day where idolatry was going on, yet they were not supposed to be idolatrous. And, and God's people had resulted to that or ha had fallen back into that. So God's working, number one, it brings change. Number two, God's presence demands holiness. God's presence demands holiness. You know, if you or I were there, and all of a sudden we saw fire fall from heaven, fire was always a symbol of judgment. Fire was a refining instrument, a tool. And here when we think about this fire that was falling from heaven, this fire fell from heaven, and they understood that God had a, he had a preference. And in this, his holiness was revealed. Because we find that uh, this, there was a change uh, that was required. Look back at verse number thir uh, 39. It says, And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let none of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah uh, brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Not only was there reverence from God, they fell on their faces. They recognized who God is. You know, God that we serve is a holy God. If we could just glimpse 
a little bit of his holiness. His holiness would reveal to us all of the sinfulness that we have in our life. You know, we're not as good as we think we are. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? You know, you and I, we don't even know the depravity that's in our own heart. We say, well, I would never do. You don't know what you would never do. You see, when we look at God and his holiness, we see ourselves as undone. And here when they they saw God and they saw uh, this judgment come, they fell on their faces and they recognized that God was God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is the God. And they were were lifting him up. Uh, God was not just a God. He was the God. He was God Almighty. And you have to remember, in point of context, uh, these individuals were around all of the false gods and uh, all of these false worshiping and the idols and the idolatry that was going on. And so we see this reverence and and respect. Uh, They fell on their faces. But then we see the responsiveness, uh, the responsiveness to the truth of God's word and the the direction of God's man. We see that now these people who were just a moment ago okay with false worship, now all of a sudden when they saw that, that judgment, they saw that fire fall, now all of a sudden now they were ready to to lay hold on the false, false idolaters. They were, they were ready to respond and be a part of the actual execution of these individuals that were false teachers, these, these uh, prophets of Baal. And so here, uh, they they were a part of all that. Verse 40, and Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal and let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. So Elijah, he gives them the direction in accordance to the revealed word of God uh, and the people they followed. Uh, And just a few minutes ago, these false idols, it was no big deal. It really didn't matter. It didn't probably even bother them. But now that they saw God, now that they had God, uh, that miracle, it brought them to a place of humbling themselves before God. And until we humble ourselves before God, we will never have a a correct perspective on what's going on in this world around us. You know, we have become so used to sin. We say that we look at how People don't even blush anymore. We've lost our blush. We have become so desensitized to all the sin and the evil in this world. Our kids are being subjected to so much. Their innocence is being stolen from them. It's unbelievable. You know what we've got to do? We've got to recognize who God is. And as we recognize who God is, his presence will reveal his holiness and his holiness uh, will, will demand uh, change. Uh, it, it will demand change. It will demand holiness in our life. It will cause us to start being who we are supposed to be. 
You know, Elijah, here in just a few minutes, he's going to say that he's the only one. He's going to say that he's the only one that's standing. Now, God said that he had reserved 7,000 who had not bowed the knee to Baal. But, but we're going to find that, that Elijah, here himself, uh, even though he saw some of those miracles, he was fragile. You know, all of us are fragile. And we need God. And we need his presence in our life. And when his presence is in our life, it will impact our living. It shouldn't just be that we have a knowledge of what God says is acceptable. It shouldn't just be that we know the 613 Old Testament laws. Uh, shouldn't be that. Shouldn't be that we are just trying not to uh, violate any of these uh, specific uh, ordinances. It ought to be that we are being holy. He said, be holy for I, the Lord thy God, am holy. And, and here we see that God's presence, it demands uh, that there is holiness. And Elijah here, uh, he gave that direction. Uh, God's presence demands that uh, holiness, not our own holiness, not our own ideals of what's acceptable or unacceptable. But what does God say is acceptable? And what does he want? You see, there was an instantaneous change in these people's lives. Instantaneous. They made a decision, and now all of a sudden, they, they chose what side they were going to be on. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And you, you and I are to be a new creature, a new creation uh, in Christ Jesus. And so, uh, as we see here, the people saw it. They fell on their face, and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Uh, so here they were just revealing something. Uh, so that revelation was not something that they just came up with themselves. It was something that God had already revealed and they had to come back to it. You know, let me ask you a question. Has there ever been a time that you have been closer to the Lord than you are right now? That's a convicting question. What, what, is that, what does that require? That requires us to make an assessment. Where am I? You see, God, God isn't revealing anything new. He's already revealed to us what he's going to reveal. Uh, that's what we have right here called the Bible. The revelation of God is complete. Yet what he has already revealed, he works in our life to bring us to a place where we are following him, we are living for him, we are endeavoring to serve him. And in that process, as we uh, become uh, calloused, as we become casual, as, as we become uh, just maybe a little desensitized uh, to the things of this world and our focus gets shifted a little bit, uh, maybe the, the, the direction of the world has got our attention and, and, and we're looking at so many other things and God is saying, listen, I just want to get your attention again. I want to turn your heart. And here this turned heart, it was a work of God to bring about a turned heart. It wasn't them. You know, if God draws us closer, it's his drawing. But we should have a desire to be closer to him. 
We should have a desire to look at our life and see, where am I at? Is my, is my love for the Lord where it needs to be? Or has my love waned a little bit? If that's the case, you know what we need? We need to seek God and ask Him to turn our heart. Turn our heart. Continue to work in our heart to bring about that change. So we see here uh, that God's working, it brings change. God's presence demands holiness. Thirdly, I want you to see that God is in the heart-changing business. God is in the heart-changing business. Uh, verse 37, he says that thou hast turned their heart back again. Thou hast turned their heart back again. God was bringing this all about to bring them back, to try to draw their heart back. It was God. Uh, it was God that was recovering them and reconciling them to himself. It was God uh, that has turned their heart back. Uh, God was not done uh, with the wayward. God was not done with the apathetic. God was not done with the backslidden or the hardened or the hopeless. Uh, he said here that thou hast turned their heart back again. God was still working to draw them back. And that's what we, we need to see. God did that here with his people, but he did it all through scripture. Uh, we see how uh, God drew people back to himself uh, or to himself. Uh, we see how uh, God changed the, the heart of Nebuchadnezzar, a wicked king, and yet God changed his heart, drew him back to himself. We look at a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, uh, who was a persecutor of the church, and God turned his heart and brought him back. Uh, you see over and over again people's lives who are transformed. And what was it? It wasn't just that they made all the right decisions. It was that there was a God who is working in their life. God was working in their life. You know, if God's, when God stops working in my life and I don't sense his, his working, it's concerning. If I can read my Bible and get nothing out of it and just close it, that concerns me. If I can pray and there's no connection. And if you, if you pray... You know exactly what I'm talking about. There are times where you pray and you know the Lord is right there. And there are other times when you pray and you feel like you're talking to yourself. But you see, it's God that's the one that's working. And when God stops working, or we don't sense God working in our life, and we need to get back to a place where we recognize who is God? Who is God? And here as this miracle was brought about, Elijah's prayer, it was all about getting the people to recognize who God was. Now, as I said before, academically they knew who God was. This was a culture that knew about God. But they had still strayed. And just because we know about God does not mean that we are where we need to be. And here he was 
a turned heart. Uh, God was the one that was changing the, the heart. He can change the heart of the wicked and the arrogant. He can also change the heart of the prideful and the pious. God, God wants to work uh, in hearts. And this morning, let me ask you a question. How's your heart? How's your heart? A turned heart. Sometimes we turn away from the Lord. This turned heart was God bringing them back. You know what? We need to be looking for God to draw us. Bible says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. We need, we need to see him working. We need to make, make assessments and be aware of when our heart is starting to turn away from him to something else. Why? Because we don't want that to be the case. And God is working to turn a heart. That was Elijah's prayer, that they would see that God was turning their hearts. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning in our own lives. I pray that you'd help us to be uh, honest and, uh, Lord, just to, uh, to recognize that, Lord, we need you to work in our hearts and to draw us closer to yourself and to turn. Uh, help us to recognize the, the impact that this world has on us. And, Lord, uh, show us and reveal yourself to us so we can uh, see that, that turn, the, the acceptance of that turning of our hearts. And so I pray that you'd work. Uh, in each person's heart this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're here this morning. Say, Pastor, I'm a, I'm a believer. I know the Lord is my personal Savior. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that I'm a child of God. You say, Pastor, that's me this morning. Nobody's looking around. Just slip your hand up. Uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Many hands are up. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here this morning. Say, Pastor, I do not know. I am unsure of my eternal destiny or whether I am a child of God or not. I'm concerned about it. I don't want to get to the end of my life and going to eternity not knowing God as my personal Savior. He's saying, Pastor, I'm not sure of my eternal destiny. Pray for me this morning. Nobody's looking around. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. Pastor, pray for me. I'm unsure of my eternal destiny. Anybody here this morning like that? All right, let me ask you a question then, Christian. How's our heart? Do we need God to Maybe we have gotten a little complacent. We have, we have become a little calloused. The things of God, the presence of God in our life, we need to stir it. Say, Pastor, that's me this morning. I need a turned heart. Nobody's looking. Just lift your hand up. Praise the Lord. See your hand. See your hand. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My hand's up. My hand's up. Father, you know the needs of each heart this morning. I pray that you just work in each and every one of our lives. I pray that we would not lose and miss out on all that you do to try to get our attention to serve you and to be drawn closer to you. So I pray that you'd bless now. Speak to hearts in this invitation, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The instruments are playing. If, you're, uh, if you want to spend a little bit of time with the Lord down an old-fashioned altar, you're welcome to do so. Maybe if you didn't raise your hand, then you should have. Come forward. I'll have somebody take the Bible and show what God has to say about your eternal destiny. Return. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.com. 
me.org. That's BBC, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.